I'm excited to continue uh, through our series called The Problem of Jesus. If you haven't been connecting with us over the last uh, few weeks, we started this conversation just before Easter, and we've been in the midst of it ever since. We've got a couple of weeks left uh, in this conversation. So I just want to kind of catch you up a little bit to where we are. And one of the things that we say at GFC is we exist to establish people on the foundation of Jesus. That's an intentional phrase to not say that we establish them on the foundation of the church or on the foundation of even scripture, but we believe that Jesus is the centerpiece and the foundation of our faith. And so then we put something up here and we go, so there's problems with Jesus. And we get to the point where we would say that there are inherently tensions that when you accept Jesus as the foundation of your life, that that's going to create in your life. There's going to be times where you come to an intersection and you go, this is difficult. How do I wrestle with this? How do I figure this out? And whether that's internally because of how you feel or because of the way culture is telling you to feel, that there are tensions that we need to work through and kind of figure out. And so we've been in the midst of this, like I said, for a few weeks. And if you've missed any of those weeks, you can always go back, watch them on YouTube. You can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But we're in a conversation today that we're going to have about the idea of disciples. And one of the things I've already said a little bit is that we believe the reality of Jesus creates a personal problem. So if you're going to come to the space where you would say that Jesus is who he is, he was who he said he was, and he did the things that the Gospels say that he did, what that means is you're going to have to do some internal work. It means that you're going to have to look in the mirror and say, well, if Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost, he came as a savior to sinners, then we have to figure out where we are in that equation. And what I would say is where I believe I fall and we all fall is on the side of sinner. That's the least fun thing to ever admit about yourself, right? Like, I'm okay with making mistakes. I'm okay with messing up. But to say that I'm a sinner, that implies that I do wrong things and that I'm responsible for those wrong things. That I can't just shake it off as, oh, I didn't mean to do that or whatever. Like there's actually consequences coming. And so we have to recognize that. And so internally then we've got that tension. We have to admit that we have a problem, which is the thing that many of us never ever want to do, including myself. And so when we admit that, we also admit that we don't know everything that we're not the end-all, be-all for our information. And so what ends up happening then, and I think this is true of everyone, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, is that everyone worships something. Everyone is going to worship something, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Now, if you grew up as a follower of Jesus, you would maybe just fall into the category of, well, I worship Jesus. And that's like, that's what I worship. Done. That's all I do. But in reality, I would say if we really think about it and process what it means to worship something, we worship different things even other than Jesus as followers of Jesus. And there are times that things come in and they grab our attention and they vie for us and we give them our time and energy and attention. And sometimes those things are good, but sometimes that can go to an unhealthy level. Maybe you've strived for some things in your life, right? Maybe as a kid, you decided you wanted to be something when you grew up, right? When I was a kid, it was sports. Like, that's what I cared about. That's what I wanted to do. So what did I do? I spent all my time in the driveway getting better. And I would even ask for sporting equipment for my birthday and Christmas because I wanted the better stuff to be able to compete. I knew other kids like that. Maybe for some of you moms, like being a mom was something you wanted to do. 
And so you spent the time finding the right spouse and then building the family and having this many kids and then this kid was going to do this activity and then this kid was going to have not have this and this kid was, gonna, you know, all of that stuff. You've got this thing laid out and we go after these things. And, and again, those things aren't bad, but sometimes we will pour our time and our energy and our resources into those things. And what I'm saying is for everybody, we're going to worship something. There's something that we're going to go to and say, can I find my meaning or purpose in said thing? And if it's the job, right, if you do end up getting the job, it's in the next job or it's in the next race or it's in the next house or whatever it might be. Here's the other thing that I think is true. Everyone is discipled by someone. So when you think about what you want and what you're going to go after, maybe what you worship or even just good things that you're not worshiping, you're just chasing, you're probably going to look at somebody and say, I want to be like that person. I knew a lot of kids growing up that wanted to have a jump shot that looked like Michael Jordan, right? Today it would probably be LeBron. Society has gotten worse, okay? But that's just the way it is. We see that as true. You look at somebody and you might go, that's it. If you're somebody who's into business, you might look at things and say, you might watch the show Shark Tank and go, I want to be a shark one day, right? I, that's who I want to be. And, and even ad companies know this, right? Because they know if they can attach an athlete or a famous person to their product, we may look at that and we may say, okay, like if that person does it, I want to be like that person. And so I'm going to buy that or I'm going to go that place. And so we see this and we get discipled by people who have seemingly accomplished or established what we want. And so when we see that, we chase them. We chase what they have. We chase who they are. We chase what it means to be like them. This is not something that is unique. Even though the word disciple is somewhat unique to Christianity, these ideas are not unique to culture or to humans. It's going to happen. And here's the tension I would want us to kind of address today and kind of think about. This is the problem that I want to talk through today. Discipleship that is all about you isn't discipleship at all. Here's what I would say. Culture would say to us, and I'm not a big person that's like culture war person. I don't like doing that, but this is, I, this is, I think, just the message we get, okay? I think the message we get is that what I want and what I choose for me, what I choose is right for me, what I choose is my identity, what I choose is my lifestyle, right? The, other, the people around me, no matter what that is, the way that they would show love to me is to accept and uplift and encourage that. So at times, that is true, right? It can be bad for if a kid says that they want to do this activity and I just decide that's not the activity my kid's going to do, and so I just keep pushing them in a different direction, that's not a healthy thing to do. So at times, there, there are things where we go, okay, you're saying you want to do that, like we should engage that and we should go down that path. But at some point, sometimes, that gets dangerous, right? There are other things I don't allow my kids to do because it's dangerous for them. And so when we think about that, that, that idea that we would just simply encourage and uplift everything that I say, that's not a me being discipled by something, that's me discipling other people into what I want. Now here's the issue with that, right? Here's what I know is true. If you're ever watching the news and you see all the bad stories, right? Oh, this, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And then there's a story where a person jumps into a river to save a child, right? They're probably going to, they're going to put a label on the person who jumped in the water, right? What are they going to call that person? A hero. Why? Because that person was willing to say, I'm going to take myself and I'm going to put myself on the line. 
I'm going to put my personal safety in second place so that I can save this person. And we automatically, all of us, whether we're in church or we're at a stadium or wherever we are, we would all look at that person and we would go, that is a great person. That person deserves to be called a hero. Why? Because they were, they were putting themselves second for somebody else. You see how those two ideas I just talked about clash? That I would look at other people and I would say, what I want is what's best. And I, I think what I do, you should always support that and me and me and me. And yet ultimately, ultimately we inherently celebrate the person who does what's better for someone else rather than themselves. And we get into this tension of what, how, do I, how does that play out? What does that look like? Why is it that we all celebrate when someone is self-sacrificing, but yet we're taught we should be, they should sacrifice for us? I think it lies in this idea of discipleship. And I would even say that what Jesus teaches us, whether you identify as a follower of Jesus, whether you think that Jesus was who he said he was or not, that that's what he encourages us to. And it's not hard to see why it is true that we celebrate and we desire. And it's better for us as people and a society when people are willing to sacrifice for someone else. And so where I want to start our conversation today is in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, we're going to go to verse 34. And if you'd like to follow along today, one of the cool things you can do is you can actually take this card and there's a little QR code uh, on the back. And if you scan that, that's going to take you to our follow along tab. That follow along tab, or you can, yeah, do it right from the screen there. Uh, the follow along tab has all the notes for today. It has all the verses. You can ask a question if I say something confusing, uh, or you can even submit a prayer request. So we would encourage you to follow along in that space if you have a smartphone uh, or a tablet with you. But the verses will also be up here on the screen, or I can hear pages turning if you've got a hard copy of God's Word with you. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, this is what it says. Calling the crowd along with the disciples... He said to them, this is Jesus, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Now, this is a fairly famous verse, right? If you've gone to church for more than just a couple of years, or you've been around Christian people for more than just a couple of years, you've probably heard these verses or some form of this verse. And here's what I want to say. We, if you've been in church, you've heard this verse, we're going to dig into it and extrapolate it out. But here's what I would also say. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're someone that doesn't believe Scripture was true, I think you can actually agree with what Jesus says in, in Mark 8, 35. Because what does he say? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Jesus is saying whoever wants to be the savior of their own life, if you want to be the authority and the person that makes all the decisions for your own life, you're going to lose it. And I think we would all agree with that. If you're someone who says there is no God, there is nothing out there that I'm trying to reach for, there's no reason for me to believe this stuff and live my life a different way, then you theoretically are also fine with the reality of just when you die, life is over. It's done. You lose it. It's over. That's what Jesus says, right? I heard somebody talking recently. It was a comedian, not a follower of Jesus. And he just said, the peace I take when I leave this life is that I just won't even know that I'm dead. I'm just going to die and I'll just be over. That's what Jesus is saying. Whoever wants to be the savior of his own life will lose it. It will just go. That's not something we, that anybody, I think, would disagree with. But he says this, right? This is where you have to dig in and go, but what if I believe Jesus? But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Whoever turns over their life to me, then there's the opportunity for there to be something else. 
something greater, something that's waiting for you than simply losing your life. And so I want to dig into what Jesus says in this verse and take it in three steps, the three steps that he presents to us. And so the first thing is this. He says, deny yourself. This is the hardest thing to say. This is, again, the tension of the problem of Jesus, to say over and over and over again, what I want is not inherently always right. What I think is best is not inherently always true, right? And so we have to deny ourselves. Why does Jesus say that? I think it's because this, because something must die in order for something else to grow. There are multiple places in scripture where Jesus says you can't have two things that you worship or you can't serve two things. You've got to pick one and go after it. You can't do both, right? When I got married, I couldn't then continue to live my life as a single person. If I did everything I did as a single person and never paid attention to my wife, my marriage would not be still here 10, 10 years later, right? There's a choice that we have to make. I cannot serve two things. I have to make the choice and I have to go there. And so when I say to myself, I'm going to deny myself and set myself aside so that I can follow Jesus, that has to happen in order for me to follow Jesus the best way possible. And Jesus gets tempted to leave this as well. In Luke chapter 4, we find an account where Jesus is tempted, right? This is at the very beginning of his ministry. And if you've ever read all of it, there's three different ways that Satan tempts Jesus. And we're just going to look at one of them briefly. So in Luke chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Now let's pause there for a second. Right? He takes them up, he shows them all the kingdoms. Now I don't know if that was all the kingdoms like at the time, if it was all the kingdoms like ever, like throughout coming, throughout history. Whatever that means, Satan says, if you just decide to follow me, he says in the next verse, we'll see, it says, if, I'll give it to, all to you if you worship me, right? If you worship me, I'll give you all of them. What's he really saying to Jesus? He's saying, if you decide to put more worth in this world than in the next, you can get all this stuff. Again, I think we can accept this whether we're followers of Jesus or not. There are many ways for us to chase down what is valuable in the world, what we would want to gain, and you can do it, right? If, you're, if your idea is to just gain a lot of money, to get rich, to get whatever you've got, like you can start down that path, and it may very well happen. You may not be Michael Jordan, but you might be able to be a decent ball player, right? Like you might not be a shark, but you might be able to be the president of your company. Like there's things that you can chase it down and you can get it. And so when Satan looks at Jesus, he goes, if you just worship me, you can get the things that are here on earth for you. Same is true for us. If we want to, if we want to worship the things that are in front of us, if we want to chase those things down, we may get there. Interestingly enough, I think when we read this verse, at least when I've read this verse a lot, okay, I read all three of the temptations, and I don't focus in on this one. Do you realize how pivotal this moment was in history? If Jesus had actually, it was impossible for him to do so, so this is one of those, like, blow your mind kind of things, but, like, if he had decided that he said yes to this, all of our faith would have just crumbled. We wouldn't be standing here today. And so the devil goes on in verse 7, he says, I will give it all to you if you worship me. But Jesus replied, 
The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's not an opportunity to do both. You can't chase one and the other at the same time. It's a choice we have to make and decide to go after what Jesus is calling us to. It's a daily reminder to say what I want is not always what is best. What I want is not always true. So he says, deny yourself. The second thing Jesus says, right? He says, take up your cross. He says to pick up your cross and to follow him. Now, when he said this, now this is one of those things that's kind of weird to say as a pastor because every once in a while, even as a pastor, you're reading scripture and doing things, you read something and you go, did I not ever see that before? Like, it's like a new thing. And one of the things that hit me this week as I was thinking about this, I go, okay, that, this verse, when this happened, and my framework, I always was like, okay, I know that Jesus died on the cross. Like, that's one of the first pictures or first images anyone today will ever get, even if they're just being introduced to Jesus at the, the first time. It's just like Jesus on a cross or Jesus dying on the cross. This was so like, you just see that. The disciples didn't know that. Like when he says, take up your cross, they didn't know that he, he, was, he hadn't died yet. They hadn't seen him with a cross or carrying a cross to the, up the hill. And so when he said this, it would have been amazing to see the eyes of the disciples. Like, what? What? Like, okay, deny myself, pick up my cross, follow Jesus. Okay, deny myself. What was in the middle? Why would he tell us to pick up a tool of execution? Why was, why was that the thing that he just said? And because he was setting this up, because eventually they would understand this, I think this is why he said it. It was because absolute belief leads to radical action. Now, this is the tension we find ourselves in when we think about the idea of faith and works, right? Because what scripture teaches us is that faith without works is dead, that faith has to be true. Belief has to show itself by what we're willing to do. Our actions are going to show what we believe. Let me go back to the easy example, right? We can look at someone and say, I love you over and over and over again. But if our choices continually say the opposite, you're going to look at that person eventually and say, you don't mean that. Like when you say it, I hear you say it, but your life says something different. You don't believe it. And what Jesus was saying is that there, in this belief, in this denial of self and in this following Jesus, there has to be a task, a, there, there's a commitment to the getting your hands dirty of what this means, that there's going to be impact in your life if you say that you believe it. And in 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 4, it says this, it, Paul is talking to me, he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Do you see this duality again? He goes, you you can't do both. It's not something that we can be invested in our own lives and say we're the ones that get all the attention and then to say, oh yeah, but I follow Jesus. And if we don't like the civilian or the soldier analogy, he goes on in verse 5 and he says, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. When I was a youth pastor, uh, we would have youth group on Sunday nights usually, and then uh, after youth group, we would play a game during youth group, but then there was a group of kids that always wanted to play dodgeball after. So we would go play, and I'm like, okay, throw dodgeballs at kids. I'm cool with that. That's why I became a youth pastor. So we would go do that, and there was one kid who always wanted to play, but he would never play by the rules, ever. 
And even the kids on his own team would be like, you got, like, they hit you. And he'd be like, no, no, I mi- it missed, right? And so that made me throw at him more because I'm not competitive at all. And so I just wanted to keep throwing at him so that I could get him out. And if I saw him get out, then I'd know. But he would just fight this over and over and over again. And eventually I would look at him and like, why do you even want to play? Like, you're not, you're not doing what the rules say. Like, that's the fundamental truth of dodgeball. And in this version of dodgeball we would always play, you could easily get out of jail. So just, like, go stand there for, like, 30 seconds and catch a ball. You can come back in. So, like, it, it was one of those things that we, he just didn't want to engage in that way because he didn't want— and, and this is what Paul is saying, kind of. I don't think Paul ever played dodgeball. But Paul was saying, if you're going to engage, if you're going to go this route, There's rules to follow. There's a way to see whether you're actually doing this or not. And I get that there's tension there. And we're like, we're talking about works. We're talking about faith. Listen, we are saved by faith alone through grace. That's it. Nothing we can do can save ourselves. But when that is truly a belief we have and it takes root in who we are, it's going to show up in the way we live. And if it doesn't, then maybe we don't believe it. It has to take root in who we are. And what I see a lot at times is what I call DIY theology. DIY is great, right? It's cheaper usually. If, you can, if you're handy, you can figure it out. But sometimes what happens is DIY theology happens. And DIY theology and DIY discipleship is not following Jesus. Listen, the hard part is when we look at Jesus and we say, he's calling me to do something. He's calling me to go somewhere. He's calling me to follow in a certain way. And yet my flesh says no. And I say, I think I know better. I think I can do it. And when we do that, we compromise. We take pieces and we go, yeah, I want Jesus' blood, but I don't want what he's calling me to do. I want the good of when I get to the end of my life, I won't lose it maybe, but at the same time, I don't want to live it out here. And we put that together and we duct tape it together and we try and figure this out. And when we do that, we deny what Jesus is really calling us to do. We miss the first step of denying ourselves. And so we must deny ourselves. We have to be willing to pick up the cross, do the things that are difficult. And then he gets to the third piece, right? Follow Jesus. I want to go to John 15 for this one. John 15, and we'll start in verse 14. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is the command, love each other. This is, this is where the rubber kind of meets the road in this passage, in verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But if you are no longer part of the world, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. You know, this is kind of the third time where we've seen this reality. Where we say, if you choose you, here's what you're going to get, right? You're going to lose your life at the end. You've got to be cool with at the end of your life... It's just, you're, you're going to not be in control anymore. You're not going to have your own life, and you're going to end up wherever you end up. The second thing is, Jesus, you know, when Satan looks at Jesus, he goes, if you chase after this, I'll give you this stuff. So, so like, if you choose you, you can chase the things of, these, of this world, and you might get there. 
And then he says in John 15, he goes, and if you decide to belong to the world, it will love you. There is a way to live in this world and just say, I'm going to be a part of this world. I'm going to choose me and I'm going to chase that. And Jesus multiple times says, and if that's what you choose, you choose that. You go that direction. You choose you. But he says, right, if the world hates you, if you are my follower, remember that it hated me first. Now, there's a couple of ways we can take this if we are followers of Jesus, right? There's a way where we look at this and we go, oh, yeah, the world hated Jesus. They hate me. Bring it on, right? I'm going to stick it to them. I'm going to make sure everybody knows what I think, and I'm going to make sure they know. Oh, they don't hate me. They hate Jesus. So I just like, there's, there's like an elevated like cockiness that can come out of this. Or there's a sense of when somebody calls me a name, or when somebody says I believe fairy tales, or when someone looks at me and just has disdain for me simply because of what I believe, we just kind of go, you know what? It's not personal. It's because of Jesus. And Jesus died for that person too. So you know what? I'll take it. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, this week. He said something I thought was profound. He said, you cannot carry an offense, and carry a cross. And he said that because he said, if you're carrying an offense, they offended you. The first thing we talked about was deny yourself. You are dead. You are alive in Jesus. He says, if you're going to carry that offense, he goes, you put down your cross and you carried your offense. Or you can continue to carry the cross and say, even when those days get difficult, even when people turn on me, even when people call me names, even when people say I'm ridiculous, even when people say I believe fairy tales, even when all that stuff is what they say, you just take it and just say, you know what? Jesus told me this was coming. There's no lie. I mean, he says it right out, right? The world's going to hate you because they hated me. And that's just okay. So what do we do with this? How How do we do this every day? How do we take this and say, this is what I'm going to live out. I would say that it comes down to this, that I would say that I choose to follow Jesus again today. And maybe this is a sentence you need to like write somewhere or type somewhere or put in an alarm or whatever. And like when you wake up in the morning, it just says, I will choose to follow Jesus again. Because what happened yesterday can sometimes make us not want to follow him today because of what they said, or because of what happened, or because I, w- I believe is going on, or what God is doing. It makes me want to wake up and go, I don't want to do that today. But this is the longevity. This is the thing, right? It's not going to be easy. You have to deny yourself, and you have to do hard things. Both of those things together, and then you have to choose to do it over and over and over and over and over again every day. And this is what Jesus calls us to. But in doing so, What does he call us to? He goes, let's go back to that first conversation I had, right? He calls us to put ourselves second, not just to Jesus, but to others. That we would value other people that God died for more than we would would value ourselves. Is that worth it? Is that worth saying, I'm going to deny myself in order to establish that? And I said earlier that everyone worships something. I said everyone disciples someone. I want to add one more to that before we wrap up, okay? I think this is also true. Everyone finds their peace somehow. For that person that I talked about earlier, their peace was, well, I just believe I'm just not going to know when I die. So I'll just exist as nothing. Some of us find peace in, 
I bought the house. I have the family. I have the stuff. I have the bank account. I have the whatever. I have the car, whatever it is, right? I have the job. I have the 401k. We're all going to find our peace in something. But here's what I, I believe to be true. DIY discipleship offers you fulfilled desires now, but ultimately leaves you empty-handed. What, are you gonna ha- what am I going to have left if every decision I make is about me for the rest of my life? My relationships aren't going to be good, so I may not be surrounded with people that love me. My job might be great, but I'm going to have just a bunch of money and nothing to do with it because, or just to make myself happy and I'll just keep spending and spending and spending. And we all know the stories of people that just have all the money in the world and no fulfillment. What am I left with if I just choose me all the time? We know this to be true, that when we choose other people, we love other people, we invest in other people, what the life that comes around us in that moment is much better than simply me being by myself and choosing what's best for me. And the call to those of us who are already followers of Jesus is that we would amplify that to other people. That we would love people so well that they would say, that's what I want. That it would be a denial of self and someone would look at you and go, why, why are you doing this? You say, because I love you. Because I'm invested in you. Because Jesus loved me enough. And that's why we do it. And it's a continual over and over and over again. So here's the question, right, that we have to wrap up with. And, I, and I, I don't know what this means for you. We have to decide this for ourselves, right? But what would you, sorry, what would be different in your life if you really chose Jesus every day? Let me give you a snapshot, right? How was your morning? What would your morning look like if in the first three hours or four hours you were awake today, you decided to choose Jesus? What would be different? Some of us may have done things already that were like, yeah, I didn't, didn't wake up and choose Jesus today. That's okay. Guess what? There's a lot of day left, and there's a new morning every day. When we choose that, right, it's hard. We have to deny ourselves. We have to say what I want is not most important. We have to do the hard thing. We have to say I know what I should do even though I don't want to, and I have to choose to look the way Jesus has called me to look. Jesus doesn't say it's easy, right? That's not what he calls us to. He calls us to something very difficult. But our peace at the end, if we follow, if we believe, and we follow this difficult path, is that when we get to the end, first of all, I don't think that anybody is going to get to the end and say, oh, I just don't even know that I'm dead. We're all going to live on. It's just a matter of where we are. And the peace that we find if we worship Jesus, if we're discipled by Jesus, and if we find peace in Jesus as an eternal relationship with God. It's hard here, right? The difficult things are difficult. But we can find peace in that knowing and that understanding. So, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and choose to follow him each and every single day. Let's pray together. Lord, we are... uh, challenged by, I'm challenged by this because uh, I know that my inclination is to choose what I want, Uh, to rest when I want to rest, to watch the thing I want to watch, to do the thing that I want to do, even if it's inconvenient for somebody else. And you didn't choose convenience over us. 
So when we read this verse and we think about denying self, picking up cross, following, it's hard. And it's very hard when we see things like, you know, the day before somebody did something or said something or ma- that made us not want to follow you. But I ask that you would convict us in our hearts and minds and say, what does it look like if I choose you every day? That you would give us the strength to say, I do choose you each morning. That my life is not going to look like just what I want, but what you want. Even on the most difficult days. In Jesus' name, amen.